Hello and welcome to the Historians Magazine podcast. My name is Chris and today I am joined by a man that requires absolutely no introduction, but I have written a lengthy one anyway. Today's guest, who isn't really a guest as we will see shortly, has travelled all over the world from the Amazon rainforest to the bustling streets of India. He's sold everything from three-piece sweets to toffee you have to break open with a hammer. He's been a model, an actor, he's even played King Herod on stage. Uh, and there are even rumours that he has an O-level in woodwork. This man has survived the Blitz, the Cold War, and most importantly, is my very own granddad. So, hey. welcome to the podcast. How well, are you thank doing? Thank you. Thank you. No worries. Thank you. I don't know, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit back and bask in what you've just said. Oh, I've <laughs> never been, I've never been talking about so long. Just for the listeners, just let you know, uh, it's my 82nd birthday in a week's time. I don't look it. If you saw me, you wouldn't believe it. But I suppose I'm part of history myself. I, I, quite rightly, as Chris said, I've lived through wars and whatever. I mean, I could do a program just about my experiences growing up. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here because I asked Chris. I, I'm very interested in what he does. And I'm amazed. But you know what? I know nothing about oldie worldy history. So as far as I'm concerned, this podcast is called Teach Me. Because Chris is going to teach me. Now, that's a turn up for the book. Because I taught him how to play with Thomas the Tank Engine and all those things like that. And now he's going to teach me. The roles are reversed. So, Christopher, you teach me. Let's try the Vikings. Because I live just outside York. So they are all around me. But I nothing, know nothing about me. So please illuminate me. Thank you. Awesome. So... The Vikings. I mean, the Vikings are a, a, a fantastic topic, especially as you've already alluded to. You live um, near York, which is famous for its its Viking history, isn't it? Obviously, it's it's mm. Jorvik to um, not to many of its inhabitants now, but historically, it was it was known as Jorvik, which was the let's call it the Viking capital of of England. Um, I guess a good place to start before we get into the granular of, of kind of York and things like that is. Where do these people come from? You know, what is a Viking, I guess? Because it's a word that is... I agree. Is, where, where are yeah. they? They're mysterious people. People's, yeah. All I know about Vikings, which I've since learned isn't true, they wore horn helmets and they came off these long boats and raped and pillaged. Now, the, the horn helmets, I've been told, is not true. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So what actually, so that, that myth, um, emerges in the 19th century to so the Victorians, which a lot of our kind of historical myths come from. As far as I'm concerned, or kind of the story I've heard is, um, it was to do with opera singers. Opera singers um, are obviously very vocally easy to spot, oh, but sometimes is. they would stand quite far back and the people at the back couldn't always see them. So they were told to wear these, you know, these helmets with the horns on so people could see where they were. Wow. And then the wow. myth just got adopted further but there has never been a single horned helmet found in any archaeological site any manuscript image so as far as we're concerned vikings absolutely did not wear horned helmets okay point one i've been told i've written it down thank you next there we go good so i've taught you something which as you alluded to, mate, was, yeah. was something yeah, that I was, uh, I was worried about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did they come in longboats? I, yes. Again, I, I'm sorry if I keep interrupting, but I'm very excited about this. And I, I've seen the so-called longboats in museums. How the heck did they get across seas in them? How did they do it? Yeah. Well, what that's did actually they really, to eat? Yeah, it's actually a really important part of the viking success so for context the vikings um we're not actually sure what that word means we don't know if to go viking as like an adjective is it a job did you go a viking right. is it to raid um is it maybe a place that people were specifically coming from in scandinavia which is where these um raiders and traders we'll call them came, came from you know modern day norway denmark sweden um, even really even places, all those countries yeah 
even Almost kind of like well. Estonia and kind of the Netherlands, you know, people wow. came from quite a quite a way. Mate, wait until we get to where they yeah. go because they go even yeah. further than than you know we would probably think. But um, the ships, the long ships, as you said, it's it's a massive part of the the image of the Viking that we see. But it's a huge part of their global success as a people. Yeah. So these ships were designed, we think around the 600s um, AD, so a few hundred years before they appear on the shores of the British Isles. Um, and these ships were designed very intelligently um, where they were able to go on rivers and on the sea um, due to wow. their kind of the hull shape um, and the fact that they could be rowed and they had sails. Um, so like you quite rightly said, they, they came over to Britain um, famously in the year 793 um, it, to the, to the um, what's it called? The uh, monastery at Lindisfarne, which is just north um, of York. Well, yes, I've been there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't, have I been there? I don't think I've been there. Not with me, you haven't. Not no, with you. No, no. no. It's weird. I've not, I've not been able to ask a guest if I've been somewhere yet. So this is quite... It's quite nice. Um, <laughs> I could tell people where you've been, and you won't want me to tell them. You so could, so I'd, yeah. Anyway, back to <laughs> yeah, back to the Vikings. Um, yeah, so the ship allowed them to travel very, very long distances overseas. They were very, very fast ships, but also they were able to travel um, through the river systems of, of Britain and through Central Europe. Um, to kind of get ahead of ourselves a little bit, um, these. Um, the Vikings traveled as far as we know, as far as India and the Americas, you know, Canada, Newfoundland, all on these relatively little uh, wooden ships. Um, because but how they were did so... they navigate? So it's, it's a little, we're not 100% sure. A lot of what we know about Scandinavia and about the Vikings um, is based on myth and... Yes, yes probably quite exaggerated stories from a few hundred years later yeah. because one thing that's important to know about the the vikings of the 8th and 9th century is they didn't write anything down they didn't have uh, they had um, a runic language so if anybody has right. bluetooth on their phone or their computer the bluetooth symbol um are viking runes um for wow. it's either hb or BT, I can never remember, but it's named after a Scandinavian king called Harold yeah. Bluetooth. Um, so they didn't write anything down. So we have no contemporary sources from the Vikings. The only sources we have are from the people who they raided and traded with. So we have right, British, right. we have English sources, you know, um, Alfred the Great um, famously fought the Vikings. We have um frankish sources from modern day france and places like that but we don't really have much right. from the scandinavians themselves but um we can assume that they used um the stars and they probably traveled quite close to the coast so they could keep the coast on one side um, right, right. we know that the coast the the distance between say calais and dover is quite yeah. quite short you can pretty much see both countries from each other so it's it's fairly easy to navigate that bit but there are rumors that they may have used um or stories not rumors sorry that they may have used um kind of sunstones where they would shine it um they would uh, point it in the sky and the sun would shine through so they could know uh directionally wow. where they were going um but yeah they were incredibly talented sailors you see um, i own coming where i'm from now i i've sailed up and down the ooze and i think how the heck did they find the ooze? And how did they know at the end of the ooze was York? It just mm. blows my mind. I mean, how did they know that? I mean, it's impossible for them to know. They didn't have drones, they didn't have overhead cameras, and yet they went up the ooze and they took York. That's brilliant. Yeah. And realistically, that was the, that's where they, the kind of the start of their kind of conquest and things they you know they sacked paris they they founded essentially the countries of greenland and iceland they were the first people to inhabit these places um you know like i said they traveled as far as as newfoundland we we know yes. that there has there's been a a excavation a, an archaeological dig there and they have found 
um, 11th, uh, I think it's 11th and 10th century. So the, you know, the 10 hundreds and the 11 hundreds um, Scandinavian yeah. artifacts, which is obviously we've heard of Leif Erikson and, and this, this kind of legendary story of the Indeed. Viking covering, yeah. but it's, it's fact. It absolutely happened. So there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a, there's a great book written um, by the historian Kat Jarman called River Kings, which is, it tells the story of the Vikings based on the objects that we found. And it's not the objects yeah. that you would expect swords and arrows and axes and things like that. It's the things that aren't meant to be here. So there's a famous Viking site in very, very close to me uh, in Repton in Derbyshire. And it's yeah. a huge site. It's where we think that the um, supposed great heathen army that invaded in the kind of middle of the 850s um, that yeah. fought uh, Alfred the Great and, and things like that. They think that's where they camped and they found um, beads from um, India. They found um, silver from the Islamic world. It's, a, yeah. we can't, us today, you know, like I said in my introduction, you've traveled yeah. the world, but you require yeah. modern technology. Oh, oh absolutely. Know. And to, to be able to do this a thousand years ago is mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah I, can, I, I just, how did they know where they were going when they set off? I'll be back on week on Wednesday, love. I'm just nipping into Paris or I'm going up to Northumberland. When they set off, they did they know? Well, uh, and afterwards they knew where they were going. But the pioneers would have had to go and just set sail and see mm. where they finished up, wouldn't they? I think that's and what it is, I think. It. Yeah, I think there was a great sense of like adventure, um, not to trivialize yeah. it, but a sense of we, you know, there are things out there that we can go and find. Why not? One of the reasons we yeah. think that they, there was this expansion and this kind of desire to travel was the land yeah. in Scandinavia was poor when it comes to agriculture and things like that so there was kind of like a, a biological need to go and find extra land ah. because famously they they settled not just in england but in northern france very famously the duchy of normandy which would later come back to haunt england was a scandinavian yeah. uh, settlement granted by the kings of france so they were very very no absolutely yeah so william the conqueror is a viking so you know, wow. <laughs> as much as we see them as that's an invasion of I the mean, French. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, just just amazing. I mean, that, that, because you say they had an army and they went down. How many boats must have they had to bring an army over? Because how many people yeah. are getting a boat? You know what I mean? That's yeah. a big logistical job, that is. Yeah. And yeah. and that, that's where that's where we struggle as as historians and there are very, very qualified people that spend their careers looking into these and the numbers. And it's we just don't know. We don't know how many people came no. here. We don't know what no. constitutes as an army. Um, an army could be a band of, you know, 100 men. It could be yeah. 15,000 men. We really don't know. Yeah. We don't know if no. they brought women and children. Um, we're fairly certain they did because, yeah. you know, they if there was this need for agricultural land and, and things like that, you know, you're going to bring your family with you, aren't you? So we can assume that, but either way, whether it's 10 blokes or a thousand blokes, it's still, like you said, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. It is, isn't it? Because I, I believe again, being around here, they did turn to agriculture because, you know, you go in the Jorvik museum, which I would recommend to anybody who's in York just to have a look around a so-called Viking village. And it is about agriculture. They've got women there, they're growing crops, they're raising animals. So their aim then was just to colonise and then develop. Because did they not, am I, am I right or am I wrong here? Did they not change to Christianity? Or am I again out of yeah. it here? No, they absolutely did. And Harold Bluetooth, again, talking about Bluetooth, is one of those christian vikings will call them it's a very it's a very strange concept for for, for me personally yeah. to kind of because i see them as this you know a pagan um yeah. warlike yeah. group which was for the most part fairly fairly accurate um but yeah in the 
kind of the 10 hundreds of the 11 hundreds, they started to convert to Christianity, um, not all at once and not without considerable no. bloodshed as, as, as usually is the case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they eventually did um, convert to Christianity. And I think that's when, because, you know, obviously we were raised and, in, and we grew up in the North and we grew up near a place called Micklethwaite. Micklethwaite right. to me and yeah. you is just that place down the yeah. road, but Mickle and Thwaite yeah. are both Viking words. Mickle means great right. or big and Thwaite is a town or settlement. So Historically, that Micklethwaite was um, a Viking settlement, the same as Grimsby is a Viking town or, um, you know, the places like that. So it's it's everywhere. The word egg is is a Scandinavian word. The word slaughter and knife and husband. um, There's so many words in English. It's not just smorgasbord, which people assume is the only word that's in English it's it's a lot of our language and it's really really interesting well there's a lot of names in York that are uh, Vikings I mean I my friend who's Yorkshire for a York person she says oh that's so and so and that's so and so I don't know but she points out all the Viking names and whatever but there are Viking there aren't, there aren't, you know, you can go and see a Roman fort, you can see this, but you can't see anything physical of a Viking thing. You just, mm. They're just not there. Um, am I right? Are they? Or, 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 but they find a ring. They find a ring yeah. with a snake's head on, and, and that's exciting. So they find small things, but not big things. Yeah, so it was a lot more, and you've made a great point about the Romans, the Romans built in stone and in marble and, you know, with places like Bath and Hadrian's Wall and um, things like that, where it's very, very obvious that it's still here. It's 2000 years old, but it's still here. Whereas the Vikings and the the Anglo-Saxons in England, um, they were very much, let's call them a biodegradable society. They built out of wood. Right, right, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, wooden fences. You know, I went to um, to Jorvik recently, and when you're going around the museum, everything's made of wood and thatch. It and is. you know that doesn't yeah. it doesn't survive, unfortunately. Um, you can no, see the no. posts in the ground in Jorvik where they, you know, they've been for twelve hundred years. Um, but outside of that, they were, you know, it's it would probably be quite a an attractive and quite trendy lifestyle now because everything is biodegradable, everything yeah. is organic. Whereas the Romans, you know, there was this vast empire that lasted for hundreds of Indeed. years. They had access to every single potential technology ever in, you know, in all of human history up until that point. Yeah. Whereas the Vikings, they weren't on the grand scale that the Romans were. They were one ship, three ships, five families in a small town near um, yes, Leeds yes. or whatever it is. So much more small scale. Um, there are places you can visit. Um, Repton, like I said, is one of those places in Derbyshire. There is the Jorvik Centre in York, which really is a fantastic museum. Um, but, you know, there are, there are very... Am I right in sites. saying some of the best things they left are those funeral boats? Is it Southwold Ho or whatever? It is? is that, yes. am I right there, something? Oh, I've been yeah. there. Sutton Who. Uh, uh, yeah, some, yeah, who, who? Yeah. Uh, There's someone that told me they didn't know anything about history. You seem to know a fair amount about these places, so it's... Uh, well, I've been around think... longer. They'd only just really <laughs> left when I was born. <laughs> yeah, you just... Yeah. Um, no, Sutton Who. Sutton but there is a, a who, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Sutton Who down in Sussex, I think it is. Is It's not yeah. Viking, but it's a similar time. So it's... We think... Oh, it's, it's... not Vikings. So it's Anglo-Saxon. So we think it's around the 700s. Um, it yeah. may it, it's one of those things that we really don't know again um, no, there was a long no. ship so it wasn't a Christian burial so we know it was pre-Christianity right. um, so it yeah. may have been as late as 700 um, there's a helmet a, a, a belt like a sword scabbard and this giant ship and that's pretty much all they ever found yeah. at Sutton Hoo but there is a Sutton Hoo helmet is in the um, British Museum next to a recreation it's a stunning piece of archaeology but that's pretty much it that's 
Yeah. That's all we yeah. really have to It's amazing, on. isn't it? I mean, these people came. They made such a big difference. I mean, a huge difference to our country. And we don't, where, where are they? Who, who, did somebody come in here? Where, where'd they gone? And yeah. they're just gone, haven't they? But they've yeah. left a footprint, haven't they? they? They really have. And I think we, obviously, I enjoy medieval history. These podcast episodes tend to be about medieval history. And we tend to attribute what makes us who we are today to the Romans or the Normans and you know that, that there's a French influence and, and things like that but there is a massive part of who we are as as people of yeah. Britain and of Europe um, because of these Vikings um, like you said it's language it's culture um, it's you know they, they looked after themselves they combed their hair we found so many combs and um, little ear yeah. spoons for getting wax out yeah. of your ears and you know things that we in a sense still do today we can trace back to, yes. to the vikings yeah so i'm not jumping ahead because i'm finished but what brought the end you know what what suddenly from being this powerful all-powerful did this was it became did they become soft christian that's a good soft? question it's a good question and it's very difficult to answer but i'll do my best so we kind of put the the Viking Age, we'll call it, from around the seven year seven fifty, let's say, to be um, to be conservative, to the year ten sixty six, and most people wow. know what happens in yeah. the year ten sixty six, the Battle of Hastings, yes. William the Conqueror defeats Harold Godwinson, um, and that's kind of where we end it. Um, for context, Harold Godwinson was of Scandinavian descent, as was William the Conqueror. Famously, Harold Hardrada who dies at the Battle of Stamford Bridge, very close to York, was a Indeed, Viking, yeah. a Christian, but a right. Viking, um, a Viking king um, of right. Norway. Um, but I think what brought down or kind of closed the book on the Viking Age is the formation of the countries of Iceland, Norway, Denmark, and yeah. they stopped being these local raiding forces that would run around the earth collecting silver yeah. and 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 slaves um slavery was a huge part of their kind of enterprise was um, it really a huge part places like dublin which were which was founded by um the the vikings um was a major slave port um they dealt in in across the world slavery was a huge part of the early medieval world um well where so did much, they get their slaves from where did they get them from, from and who Britain, did they sell them to anyone that would buy them they took um, yeah yeah so you've got the irish the the native irish and the british and they would take them to um, as far as Constantinople or Istanbul, as it's known wow. now, all the way down wow. Wow. through the through the Black Sea to um, the the Kievan Rus, which was a another kind of Scandinavian esque civilization in yeah. modern day Ukraine, um, and they would disperse these people around the world so much so that in Iceland, I can't remember the exact numbers, but the uh, they tested the population of Iceland. And the vast majority of the men who are Icelandic have Scandinavian descent, which makes sense. Whereas a lot of the women have Irish and Scottish descent, implying wow. that they were brought yeah. from um, places like Ireland and Scotland and Northern Britain and taken to places like Iceland and left there to procreate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to your original question about the end of the kind of Viking era, like I said, I think it was the formation of these like proto kingdoms, you know, the, the Duchy of Normandy, William the Conqueror, those were kind of the the next version of Vikings. Yes. One yes. thing the Vikings were yes. good at was assimilating to culture. Um, let's take Rollo, the um, ancestor of William the Conqueror, who was first granted land in northern France. He very, very quickly converted to Christianity, started to speak French and dressed like a Frenchman. That right. happened everywhere. So the Vikings didn't disappear. They just became other people. And uh, as much as William the Conqueror 
didn't wear Thor's hammer and carry a big two-handed axe with no shirt on anymore, he was still in himself biologically a Viking, but he'd completely changed who he was culturally, if that makes sense. Somebody was very clever in the Viking eras. We think of them as jumping out of a boat. But somebody planned that a boat would go to India. And a boat would go to Newfoundland. And it would come. Somebody was a mastermind. I mean, they were very, very, very well organised, weren't they? Surprisingly so, considering the kind of the modern image that we have of them. Realistically, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a king of the Vikings. Um, you know, no. Norway didn't exist. Sweden didn't exist. It was, as far as we know anyway, groups of very, very intelligent um kind of charismatic um men would gather their friends and their cousins and their brothers and go right as an opportunity to make a lot of money it's risky but let's you know let's go to this place that's filled with monasteries that have no guards let's go take all this wonderful um uh, all this gold and silver and let's take some yeah, some yeah, monks yeah. as prisoners and and let's sell them in Estonia and let's get rich that way and we'll become kings or jarls of our own little part of the world yeah and right yeah I think it was opportunity right. more than more than right. anything else yeah so they they, they, they needed to do it because they wanted to expand Mm. It's just the numbers that it would have taken. How many people lived in the, in in that area then? To the, they could afford to go all over the world. It must have been Not a many. lot of people. <laughs> Not as many wow. as we probably wow. think. <coughs> Excuse me. So we don't, again, we don't know the exact numbers. No, but no, no. Compare it to Britain at the time. There was maybe four yeah. million people um, in in, yeah. in England or in Britain, including Scotland. So the world was a lot less populated than it is today. I think there's nearly 70 Indeed. million um, people in Britain now, and, and that's not the, the yeah. exception, that's the rule. But yeah. I think that's the thing that is very difficult to concept, is to understand for us today is the scale or lack of scale of these Indeed. of these raids and, and the traders and everything that came with it. I've, I've already mentioned briefly the, um, the great heathen army or the great Viking army, whatever you want to call it. Yes. This was potentially led by um, a chap called uh, Ivar the Boneless. Um, we don't know why he was called Boneless. We don't know if he existed. He may have yeah. had rickets or something like that. He may have just uh. been a bit of a madman. Um, he may have, like I said, never existed anyway. Um, but this army came and absolutely devastated England for years. Um, it claimed the kingdom of East Anglia. It brought Mercia, which is most of the kind of the Midlands of England today, to its knees. Um, famously, Wessex became the last kingdom, wow. which is a fantastic book series and TV show. Um, yeah. This is where we get Alfred the Great burning the cakes because he was running away from the Vikings. And he comes back and, and you know, there's a series of victories um, where he eventually gets the one of the leaders of this apparent army, uh, Guthrum, um, to convert yeah. to Christianity, he basically gives him the kingdom of East Anglia. Um, he has him baptized, changes his name to Ethelstan, and um, but this kind of thing was fairly common. Um, yeah. Another thing that Alfred the Great did, and his kind of um, contemporaries were doing, would he would pay them off. What the easiest way to you know get rid of somebody that wants to take your stuff is give them your stuff. Um, and yeah. something called the Danegeld, which doesn't take much of a translation to get Danegold. Um, the Danes was yeah. another word that was used to describe these Vikings uh, or the Northmen. Yeah. They were obviously coming from the North. Um, and basically, um, most of the North um, and the East Coast of England was given to Scandinavians to settle. Um, it was called the Dane Law. Um, it isn't an exact right. geographical term or anything like that, but pretty much from Newcastle, let's say, down cutting through London um, into Kent wow. was all under essentially Viking law and culture for amazing. years. Amazing. And that's where we have Jorvik and places, you know, places like Jorvik and Scunthorpe and Grimsby and 
um, the five boroughs. But there was no um, no writings. They didn't write anything. No, That's they amazing. didn't really. They didn't really start to write until they converted to Christianity. Um, the main wow. Scandinavian sources we have for this period are from around the the twelve hundreds, um, where we have Ooh. this great tradition of Icelandic um, kind of bard tales, um, where they would tell these incredible stories of dragons and um, you know Thor and Loki and people like yeah. that. But it was all mixed within real history, so it's great, but it's really hard to tell the history from the myth. Yeah. Whereas the other yeah. stories come from English sources, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, um, which was basically yeah. a Facebook group for the Anglo-Saxon kings. They would continuously update their status right. for hundreds of years. And it was always right. the, the, the heathen army have attacked the monastery at, at you know, Weymouth Jarrow and they've sacked this and they've done that and it's terrible and it's the end right. of days. Oh, right. But the glorious King Alfred has beaten them at um, the Battle of Eddington. And we don't know anything about these battles or even where they were. But, you know, the glorious no, Christian no. King is victorious. And it's very, it's very one sided. So it's very, very difficult to, yes. to yeah. put this yeah. on a on a. What's your name? Person. There's only one name I know, and it's probably made up for a cartoon. Ethelred the Unready. What does somebody call that? Yeah, so Ethelred the Unready is a, he is like a great, great grand nephew of Alfred the Great. Um, right. This is, so England is essentially not formed until um, Alfred the Great's grandson, Ethelstan, becomes the king yeah. of the English. Um, he's the first king of England yeah. in the mid 900s. Let's go another hundred years forward to kind of the start of the ten hundreds, and we've got this chap called Ethelred the Unready. It's a very unfortunate nickname, but essentially his name Ethelred, Ethel, or anybody that has Ethel in their name historically, it means noble. Um, so Ethelstan, right. Ethelred, Ethelfled, things like that. It means noble something. So Ethelred right. means noble, noble council or royal council. Right. Unread is a play on his name, which basically says bad counsel. So it's not unread as in he doesn't read or he wasn't ready. He didn't get up in the morning in time. He basically, his no. name means good counsel, bad counsel. And he made terrible decisions with the Vikings um, who started to attack again. Um, he murdered a large population of Scandinavian settlers in England at the St. Bryce's Day Massacre in, I think, the year 1002, um, which yeah. prompted another invasion of uh, Scandinavian, um, a full Scandinavian army at this point. Um, then we have, we introduced people like um, Eric Bloodaxe and some fantastic names. And then we get Canute. Great names. And people, and, and then half a Canute. Was Canute um, one of theirs? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll happily talk about Canute in a minute. Um, so yeah, Ethelred the Unready, terrible king, makes terrible decisions. He essentially um, loses the kingdom. This is where we get Canute. But ultimately, his son is uh, Edward the Confessor, who oh. we know comes back and is the last, Ang uh, the second to last, sorry, Anglo-Saxon king who dies famously without children. But back to Canute, um, everybody knows of. The story with Canute is, of course, him trying to stop the tides coming in, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so for context, for people that don't know, um, the famous story with King Canute of England, who was a Scandinavian king who owned controlled land in Denmark, Norway, England, uh, this vast North Sea empire. The story goes that he was on um, the shores of the Thames and he says, I am a mighty king. I will stop the tides coming in because even the sea fears me, essentially. The tide obviously yeah. comes in as it always does because it's the tide. And he is either, the story goes that he was, uh, you know, absolutely wrong. And, you know, he was just a, a bit of an idiot. But what I think, is, yeah. and the kind of the extra bit of the story is he was actually saying, I'm not that mighty of a king. Clearly, there are things in this world that even I am a king cannot control. 
he was a Christian. So uh-huh. he gave the power to, to God and said, look, wow. I'm a king. I control everything here. But realistically, we are all under the power of one person, which is God. Um, but Canute was a great king for England. He was right. he was not, uh, you know, a brutish warlord. He was um, he introduced um, six laws and it was a very safe country at this time. And ultimately, his sons, Harold Harefoot and Harthur Canute didn't succeed where his father did. And we get Edward the Confessor coming back. We get the Godwins um, and, and Harold, famously Harold Godwinson. And, and that's where the, the, the story ends. But Alfred into Ethelstan, into Ethelred the Unready. It's, it's this continuous story between the forces of Anglo-Saxon England and Scandinavia. They, they never really separate for about 400 years. Wow. Um, it's an unbelievable era, isn't it? I mean, mm. because it's not written, maybe people don't have, well, they don't have access, and you've got to, you, you pull out a hat pin, and you say, this is a hat pin, and then you build a whole life around that hat pin, because it's one of the only relics you find in York and things like that. Mm. And it's just remarkable. They could do so much and leave so little. Except, I mean, material little rather than uh, affecting people's lives. Yeah, it's I think the best description I've ever heard for this period is it's like going to the Palace of Versailles and looking through the keyhole in the Hall of Mirrors and trying to describe the room. You can see just about what's in there, but you have no idea of the detail. You can't look left. You can't look right. And yet that's what's no. looking at this period. And for me, as someone that's grown up loving history, as you know, and that talks about this yeah. all the time, is what makes it so fascinating is every day there are new things being discovered. There are new scientific yeah. techniques that we can we can do research on bodies that have been found in Chesterfield. Yes, and we can yeah. tell that these two skeletons were either father and son or they were brothers and they came from, you know, northern Denmark, and they grew up on fish. Yeah, yeah. And we can tell these things now, and it's we're getting to the point where we can really get to the to get the meat of it, which is which yeah, is exciting. You, look, you can something you didn't know. You had that pencil, uh, and you discovered it fifty years ago, and all you said was it's a pencil. Well, now you can take it into a laboratory. And say no, it was an arrow. It had this, that, and you, and you could say it was fired by a left-hand man. So much yeah. more you can do now, can't you, in a laboratory? Mm. History and science don't seem like natural friends, but in the twenty-first no. century, they are the best of friends. And it, yeah, yeah. especially with this era, we have to rely on science because, like you said, yeah. there just isn't much here. We just don't have the material evidence. No. It's amazing because we watch a lot of the programs about Egypt and they did leave a lot. They left mm. all the writings, they left the, the tombs, they left the bodies and everything. So therefore, they live on in people's minds and people can identify with them. But yeah. I wonder if a lot of people know anything about the Vikings, really. Yeah. Other well, that's than why people... The, this, go on. That's, say, why that's why I think people just think of them comic book characters yeah yeah you see the marvel films you see thor and loki and and um and things like that and that's great don't get me wrong that's fantastic entertainment and it's not trying to be history but the reason a lot of people call this period the dark ages is because it's as if someone's turned the lights out on history we have the roman empire we have ancient egypt we have ancient greece and ancient mesopotamia and we have so much information because these societies are so advanced. And then it seemingly just yeah. turns off. When I don't I don't believe yeah. in the Dark Ages, I don't believe they were dark at all. I think we're just looking in ways that don't help, you know, don't apply well to what we've got. It's something that, you know, I try and kind of dispel through my work is that the medieval period is not the Dark Ages. It's incredibly no. vibrant. Tell me, how... Stupid question. How long was it before the end of the Vikings and the beginning of the Romans in rough times? 
Great question. About 200 years. Maybe. Is that all? The, well, that's not a lot. In, in real terms, absolutely. That's the t- difference between us and Queen Victoria. Wow. Um, so the Roman Empire, for me, because it's a contentious question anyway, because people like to argue over everything in history, um, the Roman Empire, yes. to me, let's say it ends in the year 500. The Viking Age really starts in 700-ish. So there's not much of a time difference. There's not much of a difference, really. So it is very, very short turnaround. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? But, you know, have you ever been round York with a historian or somebody like that to talk to no, the, teach the closest. The closest I've got to is is going to Jorvik, um, but I would love to, uh, and I know we've spoken about it before, is is to go around yeah. places like York with that because you've got you've got Micklegate in York, which Micklegate yeah. sounds like all the names a normal place until you look at the word Mickle means big, great, large. Gate is another name for road. Yeah, it just and, means and, main road. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. You know, all the I gates mean, uh, uh, Elaine in, who, in York, yeah. Elaine, who comes from York, she says, oh, that's the Barbican, this is that, this is that. There's Watmaway Road or whatever. There's all sorts of strange yeah. names that mean, well, they're historic. We went yeah. to a place in York the other day called oh, some house, and that was built in the 1100s. Mm. And the history that is pouring out of the walls is amazing. Yeah. But really, you need somebody with you, don't you? We, we had an hour's talk, and now I'm quite, I can tell you about the hinges on the windows, I can tell you about this, which had we just been walking around, we wouldn't even know. Yeah, that's the best thing about history, is it's literally everywhere. You go, let's take York, for instance, yeah. you've got Roman walls, scandal, like Viking walls, medieval towers you know 16th century um you know timber buildings um it's a journey through time um you know i live in a in a 120 year old house to me it's just my home but you know this house has been it's lived through the first world war it's lived through the second world war it's it's seen it's seen so much you know i've got a oh i could you know an old fireplace next to me and you know, it's not got a fireplace in it anymore, but, you know, it used to heat the family that lived here in the year 1900. And it's, yeah, that's what, you know, I love about history. And it's, you know, we as, as people, kids people growing are up, talking about People are talking about poverty now. They should see go back there in 1900s in that house. You'd know yeah. what poverty was then. Yeah. You really would. So history yeah. is a wonderful thing. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I can understand your your interest in it. But you really are becoming quite educated about it, aren't you? I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to turn something from a passion to a profession. Um, yeah. You know, I've always loved history. Yeah. It's always been something for me. Yeah. But being able to turn it into something that, you know, will support me and, and my family, is it's, mm. it would be a true dream come true. You know, not everybody gets to do what they want yeah. to do um for a living so even being able to do this it's it's great i i thoroughly enjoy it and teaching people what i know or what i've read in books or you know i'm i'm not afraid to say i'm i don't have a degree um i'm doing my degree at the moment many people yeah you do have an o level in woodwork though um well there you go so i could have (laughs) built a trojan horse yeah i see i could have done that um, you couldn't have done you, that. You couldn't have, you no. know. So, so there you are. There are benefits. Yeah, it's amazing. But a lot of it is it not true? Uh, history is built on supposition. Mm. We get back to the pencil. We suppose because it's yellow that it was used to stir butter or something. I see it on the uh, Egyptian programs. It was so and so metal, so and so. But they suppose so much. And and it, you see another guy, and he supposes something totally different. Yeah. But this is where science is coming in, because science, you can't argue with science. If they say that's come from an oak tree, it's come from an oak tree. So that's yeah. where I think science is wonderful. It's stopping yeah. a lot of supposition, isn't it? Yeah. 
and and especially this period like I've, I've mentioned a lot of the questions you've asked I've said I don't know and that's not me not knowing that's we do not know no. the answers to these questions but we're getting to the point where theories are becoming proved or disproved right. um right. you know if a you know there are there are there's a a famous site in Birka in Sweden I think it is um where a female skeleton has been found with swords and shields and and the trappings of kind of the, the male bravado that we would assume comes with a warrior does that yeah. mean that this woman was a was a female warrior or does that mean that she was buried essentially in the wrong grave like it could be anything but now yeah. science is showing that no this woman probably was a warrior because of the bone structure and you know all this kind of stuff well... so it's, it's like you said science is helping to 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 open to unlock to spell a lot of pits. yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know, um, which is great which I is watch, great i watch a lot of these police programs where they solve crimes that are 60 years old because they've got that piece of paper and mm. they can see with that piece of paper that they couldn't in those days they can identify dna fingerprints amazing science is Science is the new his, uh, explorer, yeah. isn't it? Because it's exploring yeah. existing things that have already happened. Yeah. It's only doing what the Vikings were doing 1,200 years ago, but on a much smaller micro, my, oh, microscopic yeah. scale. You know, we don't need to discover America. We know where it is. It's over there. But what we need to know yeah. is why did when did people go there for the first time? What were they doing there? Why did it fail? Why did it take Europeans... Yeah. You know, another another six hundred years to you know to travel to the Americas again. It's uh, it's it's fascinating. It, you know, we say they went there and they got they want they, they wanted silver. How did they know they wanted silver? You know, I, I just get I, it blows my mind. I mean, having been to Canada and the I know we've gone away from the Vikings, but the the uh, is it the Yukon Trail when they're going for the gold mines and everything. And you see where they went in shoes and shovel. How did they know where they were going? <laughs> this has got me. And when they got there, how did they know to pick up the shovel and dig a hole? You know, it just, history is just amazing. I've stood there and thought, you know, how did they know when they got here? That's the big thing, isn't it? Big question. Yeah. And, and that's what's great is you're never done with history. There's always more questions to answer. There's always different answers to those questions. And I think ultimately, to get on my soapbox a little bit about how I view history and, and, and the way that modern people look at it, as in this, I can't believe how that was possible. So we just attribute it to other things. Let's take the Egyptians, like you mentioned, the pyramids. You yeah. know, was it was it aliens that built it? No, it wasn't. No. We need to give these people more credit. Just because I can't yeah. build a pyramid doesn't mean that no. you know somebody couldn't and i think you know we see it with throughout civilization there are people that are achieving incredible feats of engineering of exploration of of warfare whatever it is and we just can't conceptualize it because we're just normal people um but yeah history is filled with with <laughs> wonderful people and it's it's great can i say you want to stand in front of the taj mahal and look at that and think, how did they build that bloody thing? I mean, yeah. it is the most phenomenal thing you will see. I know the Vikings didn't do it, but you look at it and you think, <laughs> how did they do that? How did they do yeah. it? Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. But your but your first it. question, it, yeah, it. your first question was about the longboat. That in itself, yeah. if me and you sat down at your kitchen table and said, right, let's design a ship, we don't, we're not going to use the internet yeah. or a single book or anything like that. Let's design a yeah. ship that can go on the sea and on a river and can be picked up and carried. I don't think we'd get very far. And, they did. and be able to sail in the sea. Yeah. You know, it's all right saying the sea, but the sea isn't always like that, is it? It's up yeah. and down, up and down, waves, wind and everything. Wow. Wow. Wow, just just tremendous. All I could say, Christopher, as a man who started knowing nothing, I know a little bit more. Uh, 
it is like plotting fog because you, 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 it's so mind-blowing, the facts and the figures and what they did and what they didn't do and how they did it is mind-blowing. So I'm going to ask you, would you be kind enough in the future to do another podcast with me and teach me some more about history? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that would be a great idea. I think we're going to continue this series um, not just with you, but other members of the team are going to do a similar podcast yeah. with their family members. Because I think it's like the reason we do this for context was a conversation we had about making history accessible to people Absolutely. that don't necessarily, you know, like myself. I, as you can see behind me, for context, there are, you know, a, two or three shelves yeah. full of history books. If you don't have those books or you don't want to read those, it's important to you know, to have these conversations. So yeah, absolutely. We will definitely have you back on the podcast. Well, that will be great. I will look forward to that. I will now go and have a well-earned cup of tea. Absolutely. And, uh, wish you are, wish the, wish you and your, uh, your, wait a minute, wait a minute, the, uh, the historian magazine, uh, which uh, I, I wish that the, all the best, which I will Thank be you. joining in April to get my free, long boat or whatever you'll be doing in <laughs> april something as a gift that would be great <laughs> all right do, Kate, it's been... do that. all right you let me know if you want to do another one and let me I know and because i want to do it because as i said at the beginning the title of my program is i want to learn more okay yeah. see you good night awesome. everybody or good afternoon awesome thank you everybody and as always you can follow us on social media, all the usual places. Um, and at this point, the medieval edition of the Historians Magazine, which is edition 13, will be available to read online for free as always. You can make sure the easiest way and the best way to uh, read the magazine is to become a member. Um, you get six editions for a reduced cost. But absolutely, until next time, thank you very much. Bye for now. <laughs>